Episode 97, Managing Populations for Beginners and Experts. Today, I speak with Renee Petri from DATSTAT. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Value-based healthcare requires a population health strategy, meaning you need to monitor what patients are up to, then stratify based on risk, and then intervene, and finally track outcomes, cycle and repeat. Today, I speak with Renee Petri from DATSTAT, which is a population health management technology platform to make all of this happen in a way that is scalable and far faster than old school approaches. You can find DATSTAT online at datstat.com. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Renee. Thank you, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here. I definitely want to get into DATSTAT and the work that you're doing right now, helping your clients reach their population health management goals. But before we go there, let's talk about provider organizations for a sec. When you arrive on the scene, do you categorize the organization that you're speaking with in some way on the experience with population health management learning curve? Have you ginned up some sort of segmentation model? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that we've formally identified a model for that, but I would say that I definitely see a couple of clear categories and the types of provider organizations that we're working with. Do tell. Yeah, I think one of those categories tends to be providers who are the EHR early adopters. And those individuals definitely seem to be further along with their population health management strategy overall. They have their EHR system in place and have a good sense of what they can do with their EHR and more importantly, what they can't do with their EHR. That's interesting. You have found that there is a parallel correlation between people who got an EHR early and people who are good at population health management or being able to assess and help their populations in a data-driven way. Absolutely. Yeah. I think those folks who have their EHR in place tend to be further along with being able to sort of bring together these disparate data sources and mine that data to identify their current healthcare gaps and identify high-risk patients. And I also think that they think a little bit, I mean, they just have the space to think a little bit more holistically about population health management And that it's not only about identifying those high-risk patients, but really answering the question of how can they better manage individual patients and close care gaps in the larger population overall. So these individuals tend to take a very data-driven approach and also have, I think, a great balance between sort of this focus on the big data and advanced analytics, but also the knowledge that you can use this real-time data that helps them better manage and measure sort of the progress that they're making on a day-to-day basis. What's an example of big data versus real-time data? I think when people think big data, they think the data that they have in their EHR and then starting to incorporate that data, typically pull it into a data warehouse and, and combine it with other data sources. Claims data is a really good example. And then 
there's a lot of challenges. There's really a question about how big is that data really? I know I personally just went in a couple of weeks ago and had my checkup. The data that they had about me in their EHR was basically my date of birth and and thankfully the date of my last tetanus shot, so I didn't have to get another shot. But that was the start and end of, of the level of data that they had on me personally in the EHR. So that big data often isn't quite that big. And then with claims data, I think the other key challenge with that, what we hear a lot of from our customers is that that data tends to be stale. You know, it can be months or longer out of date. And so, you know, how much action can you really take on that data? And you can contrast that with real-time data. Some of the companies that we're working with, some of the healthcare providers that we're working with are doing a really great job of using electronic digital questionnaires to capture data from patients in real time. It might be a little bit of data, it might be a lot of data. And then because that information is being captured digitally, it's available real time in that interaction to drive care. And it can be captured continuously over time to really help assess sort of how the patient is doing overall. We've got the vanguard, if you will, of Mm -hmm. population health management expertise amongst providers. And we're categorizing those as people who, generally speaking, is a proxy for their population skills is that they were EHR early adopters, that they are very well versed in how to use their EHR and how to capture data with their EHR. And it sounds like part and parcel to that is once you've got the ability to process the data, you probably go on a quest to get it. So <laughs> these people might have larger data stores or, or larger data warehouses. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. We were talking about earlier the different categories, perhaps, of providers along the continuum of population health management expertise. And we have identified the Vanguard. What are some other categories? So I think that the next category, I would say, are people who, providers who more recently have implemented their EHR solution or in the middle of implementing their EHR solution. And I think a lot of these provider organizations are really just trying to figure out where do they start with population health management. And if you think about the overall population health management process, it generally starts, if you kind of look at a diagram of that process, it generally starts with, well, how do I identify my high-risk patients, and then how do I stratify those patients based on risk, and how do I deliver the right intervention to those individuals, and then monitor outcomes over time. And I think this next major category of customers is really focusing in on that early part of the process, trying to figure out how they're going to identify those highest-risk patients. And that's where you know data integration and advanced analytics and things like that play a big role. You're identifying that middle maybe swath of customers by how long ago they got their EHR system and kind of what they're targeting. Obviously, it's a priority right out of the gate. Your biggest priority is to figure out what to do with very high risk patients. And then once you get further along, then you maybe start thinking about patients who are in growing risk categories in order to prevent them from getting into that high risk spot or whatnot. You can get a little bit more fancy, if you will, with what you're targeting. But first off, high risk is always bubbles to the the top. When you see someone in that middle category, what you anticipate you're going to be looking at is a customer that's very interested in their high risk. Yes, I think that's true. And I think that that approach can 
present some challenges in and of itself because if you've just implemented your EHR, for instance, and you're trying to start to build this IT infrastructure to start to bring together that data with claims data, you need to be thinking about things like the data integration solution, the advanced analytics tools that you're going to need to run, how you sort of segment and identify those high-risk populations. And I think one of the things that I like to do as I'm talking with the second category of customers say, okay, well, that's a that's often a several years process to get all of those pieces in place. There's always the opportunity to start with the patients in front of you. And for those patients who are coming into your hospital or clinic setting, how can you assess risk in real time? How can you monitor patient status for those patients you're already treating? How do you track their outcomes over time so that you're able to better and more efficiently and more effectively manage care. Basically, what you're saying is that on the back end, it's going to take two plus years for an organization to warehouse data, pull in all necessary data in order to do population-wide risk stratification, for example. So in order to create the algorithm so that you can say, ah, yes, these few thousand patients are our highest risk patient. That's, that takes a while to do. So what you're effectively suggesting is that in those particular cases, the best thing to do is exactly what you're talking about before, like maybe use one of those questionnaires or whatnot so that you can identify that the patient that you're looking at right now is high risk. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. So this group that we're talking about right now that is primarily focused on high-risk patients, if you had to say what percentage of the market or what percentage of providers that is, is it most of them? How big a proportion is this? I guess I would say kind of speaking from our experience, there are far more who are in the process or have recently implemented their EHR system and are thinking about it system-wide, far more of those than the folks who are at the forefront of this and have been thinking about these issues for several years. I do think that those individuals who are sort of out there on the forefront are paving the way. And, you know, I know our work with them has really led to a ton of insight and experience with how this can be patient-reported data in general and patient-reported outcomes can really be incorporated into the care process pretty seamlessly. So that's encouraging. And then I think that there's also a lot happening with healthcare reform in general that's driving some of those organizations that may not really be thinking about how to use outcomes to sort of better manage patients and and deliver better care, but have to start thinking about how to more systematically measure patient outcomes to meet some of the reporting requirements tied to some of these new reimbursement models. This middle group is in various stages of figuring out how to measure outcomes and then use that information to improve interventions. Yeah, I would say that, again, there's these kind of two different categories of providers that sort of align how they're thinking about population health management with where they are with their EHR implementation. We see a lot of correlation between those two things. And then as people do start focusing in on capturing data from patients, they start with integrating that patient-reported data and patient-reported outcomes at point of care. And then the natural sort of progression as they move along the continuum is moving into capturing data from patients, not just in the clinical setting, but in between visits 
and using that information to better manage patient care, really sort of aimed at chronic disease management. The data that tends to get collected is clinical, melds with claims data if you're moving along and getting good at this game. And then lastly, the operation is to try to figure out how to embed patient information between visit information into the data site, which I know is near and dear to your heart, my friend. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> yep. So let's talk about, I'm trying to think about the order of things here and maybe what we do. I know you personally have a long history in population health management, which is kind of fascinating because not many do. You first started out before you went to DATSTAT. What, what did you call yourself? A, a population health management researcher? Or what's the official term for what you did for many years? Yeah, I spent nearly two decades working in uh, research in general and, and more specifically, you know, population health research. And my job really was to work with investigators that were trying to answer different research questions and help design sort of the methodology for how we'd go out and collect data directly from patients uh, to be able to answer those questions. Tell the story about how you decided to leave research and go to DATSTAT. I thought it was really interesting, some of your reasons why. I think it's been really interesting if you look back and look at population health research itself and how it's changed over the many years. And again, having done this for two and a half decades now, I've been able to experience research at several different times. And if I think back 10 or 15 years, the way we conducted research then was completely different than the way it looks today. And I think in many interesting ways, shares a lot of similarities with how data is captured from patients today as part of healthcare. So back in the old days, when we were collecting data, it was a very labor-intensive process. We were using interviewers and data collectors who spent a lot of time capturing data directly from patients. And rather than asking patients to self-report that information, interviewers would ask questions recorded on paper. And then that information had to be data entered and accumulated. And as a result of all of those things, data was captured less frequently and there were data quality issues. And it really limited geographically sort of the ability to reach patients and test new interventions. My research group in particular did a lot of behavioral-focused interventions, and we could spend years really kind of working on developing an intervention. We could spend nine months or so recruiting participants to take part in a particular study, and then, you know, we follow them every one to three years to track outcomes. And oftentimes, we're working on the fifth or sixth year of data collection, and the results from the second year of the study were just being published. There was that big of a delay in the time between when data was collected and when those results were available. So you fast forward to today and it's completely different. A lot of data is captured through self-reported digital questionnaires and that information is actually available in real time. And using solutions like DATSET, you're able to not only automate that digital data collection, but really the entire kind of study protocol process. And so we have customers right now. I was just reading about one of our customers who's recruiting participants for a metastatic breast cancer study, and they were able to recruit 2,000 participants in a seven-month period from every state in the country. So, you know, that just wasn't possible 10 or 15 years ago. So for me personally, the motivation to come to DATSTAT was to really leverage technology to be able to reach more patients, to collect more data, 
And then more importantly, when you do have a tested effective intervention that's working, where you can only reach this very small geographic area, thinking about how you can use technology to really expand the reach uh, via web-based capabilities. So that's what pulled me to that step. Yeah, it seems like it's expanding the reach. I mean, obviously, if doing studies of interventions or measurable interventions is so labor intensive, then you're absolutely right. The patient pool that you can touch is very limited to the amount of, I mean, it's very difficult to scale. So it sounds like it's definitely expanding the the reach to help more patients, but then also to accelerate the ability to improve the, you know, the improvement cycle, because if you can analyze results faster, then you can improve faster. So I think that's part of it, but I don't think that's the only part of it. So when I think about our healthcare provider customers who are integrating patient reported data at point of care, if you think about how, what's your experience been as you've gone in, you know, as a patient, you walk in, you may be asked to fill out a a patient questionnaire, but that data is filled out on paper your provider probably has to key a few pieces of information into the EHR and then it's later scanned into the EHR and same sort of challenges, right? That's very time intensive. You're definitely the potential for errors or or loss of information, but most importantly, that information can't be automatically scored and curated in real time when it's captured on paper. So therefore your doctor can incorporate that information into the patient encounter. So our customers who are are using our technology to capture this information digitally can hand a patient a a touch-enabled web-based device. Data is entered directly into it, and the provider really saves all of the time on administering, scoring, and entering that data. And through an auto-generated summary and visual summary of that patient's scores and trends over time, they can fold that information right into their care interaction, which is pretty powerful. What that stat is, if we're moving into what the that stat solution covers and entails, you've got a device handed to patient in the waiting room, say, can you complete this quick questionnaire? And somehow or another, does it key in on what the patient's core health challenges are? So you're not asking them these kind of broad-based questions, or how does it figure out who the patient is and what their major needs are? Yeah, that's a great question. It's kind of where do you start? And there's a couple of different ways that, you know, these PROs are being integrated at point of care. Sometimes take a very simple example, a patient's coming in for joint replacement surgery. So the patient walks in the door and it's obvious the procedure that they're there for. So that patient's handed a device that has a questionnaire that's going to be used to track their outcomes, pre-surgery, post-surgery, and then long-term to to monitor their longer-term outcomes. So that's pretty easy. The patient's coming in and you sort of know the questions that need to be presented to them. That's kind of the area that a lot of our customers start is around a couple of specific conditions or treatments. And then as they sort of advance on this continuum of capturing data directly from patients, uh, then they're often flagging patients in their EHR system, given the conditions that they have, or just their best practices for administering health risk screeners to patients as they're coming in as part of their normal care. 
And then that information in the EHR can be used to really trigger our questionnaires directly from the EHR embedded links within that. And the data that's being captured in our system is then passed back into the EHR in real time. So we've got that two-way integration with the EHR solution and patient portal. Sounds like the introduction to DATSTAT might occur in the waiting room as a patient is getting ready to see a physician, but the relationship extends beyond those discrete moments in time when the patient is waiting for an office visit. They might, for example, set up a username and password so that they can continue to interact even after they leave. That's exactly right. And helping to extend the reach of that provider outside of sort of the four walls of the clinic. And as you you move into chronic disease management, the ability to engage those patients and, and help them track their own health status and help you as a provider monitor that health status in between visits becomes increasingly important. What you alluded to earlier is that if a patient answers, let's just say suboptimally, uh, a certain number of times or answers certain questions indicating that they're not doing super well, then either they might get some sort of follow-on survey to dig deeper into that automatically or somehow or another the provider is alerted that they've got a, a patient in some kind of trouble. That's exactly right. Yeah, we try to focus, I think, both on the provider's needs in that case, as well as the patient's needs. So, you know, one of the things and, you know, this is learning that, again, goes back over two decades or more of population health research is if you want to engage patients in providing information, you also have to think about the other side of the coin. And that's the information that you can provide back to them in real time. So helping them to see through data visualization and digital narratives, help them see and understand how they're doing. That's part of the process. But also as those patients start to fail or their disease is not well controlled, be able to proactively alert the provider through integrated messages to their uh, EHR in basket or whatever the, um, the protocol is for a particular customer organization so that they can act on that information in real time. Is there a certain best patient type that you've been able to identify or, or a certain risk strata? I mean, who does best with solutions like this? Well, I think the encouraging thing is that so many of the patients can do really, really well with these types of solutions. We've had millions and millions of questionnaires completed in the clinical setting at point of care, and our customers themselves have done their their own research to look at completion rates and things like that in the clinical setting. And we know from the work that they've done that you can see high completion rates, you know, 93, 95% in clinic, even among your less tech savvy older populations. So that 93, 95% completion rate was with a population with a median age of 61, right? Not not the person you typically think of using digital tools to track their health. And then those same patients from home are, we're seeing completion rates that are 80, 85%. So it's certainly a solution that can be used pretty broadly among your patient population. I think when you look at 
disease management, you know, managing chronic disease, then you definitely want to start by looking at those populations that really highly motivated, either because they have serious health issues, they're going to be more motivated, for instance, versus somebody who's looking at sort of a long-term prevention program. And I think if you identify patients where there's already a pretty extensive monitoring process going on, then you can start looking at how can I use these self-reported technologies to streamline that process for the care coordinators and more fully engage patients in managing their own health because that's what they want to do anyway. Do you see a correlation between providers who vigilantly review the information and completion rates? In other words, if you're a patient at home and you know your doctor's looking at this or when you go in for your appointments, the doctor pulls up your what you typed in yourself and reviews it with you, do you see engagement rates go up and completion rates go up? Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't even have to say vigilantly in that sentence. I would just say that you see completion rates go up when you see the information that the patients are providing being used at point of care. And it's really powerful when you have that first interaction where the patient fills out that questionnaire and then they walk in to the waiting room and their doctor comes in with a summary with graphs and visualizations of the data that they provided and what that means. It's powerful for both the provider, the doctor and the patient and really encourages that patient to continue providing that information because they know it's going to be used as part of their care. Do you notice that there's a sort of paradigm shift that needs to happen amongst providers in order to use the data that they have access to? For example, do you see providers in any sort of large scale saying, oh, I don't know how to sign in this other system, citing the logistical challenges as a barrier, for example, to get at that data or being too rushed to really consider it or not trusting patient reported data? What's the cultural vibe out there? I think that's pretty accurate the way you described it in terms of what we encounter most often, which is a lot of logistical concerns. You know, how am I going to fit this into my practice workflow? Can I count on this data? And, you know, I think the thing that's really interesting and that we've seen time and time again is there's almost always one champion within an organization, right? That's really has this bigger vision of how patient reported data can be used to deliver better care and to understand and sort of manage the the business of providing healthcare. And once there's a successful use case in place where you can start to cite evidence of, look, how this is fitting within your organization and so forth, all of a sudden, it's just a, a very sweet moment when the momentum starts shifting and you go from sort of introducing this concept So the health system introducing this concept to some of their doctors in a very careful way to literally the healthcare system having sort of a queue of doctors lined up who want to start using that same technology for capturing, you know, patient reported data as part of the care that they're delivering. So we love to see sort of when they kind of tip over to the, hey, I want to do that. Do you have any advice for provider organizations or for that one champion who has a vision here and is having some trouble saturating their organization with said vision and and getting buy-in and other physicians to follow along? 
Well, that's definitely something that we help our customers think about as they get started. So usually they come and they have an idea of where they want to get started, but they don't exactly know kind of how to to get going. And so that's where, again, we've kind of gone down this path a number of different times and we can really help them figure out what questions they might want to ask and how they want to, that summary should look like and so forth. And then we also help people think about what are my key metrics and how do I track this as we're beginning to roll this out so that that information can be used to build broader support within the organization. You mentioned two things there. One is putting together a compelling summary that the champion can present to others and then making sure that metrics are being tracked, which can be, I'm assuming, reported back relatively rapidly so that the champion can say, look, you know, it's only been two months, but we've already made inroads in a hope to convince others and, you know, using evidence that this is directionally correct. Exactly. I thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Renee. Well, thank you very much. And it was a fascinating conversation and I appreciate the opportunity. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.